Hi, I'm Kieran Cook, and welcome to At Source Podcast, a place where natural health and well-being are at the forefront of the conversation. Gain useful insights direct from the source from doctors, industry experts, wellness advocates, and everything in between. This is a place for busy people who want to get to the core of health and wellness with information about the latest health advances and trends. In this series, we talk with and learn from inspiring leaders from all walks of life, touching on important topics that will help answer some of the key questions about natural health, well-being, fitness, and all things direct from the source. Sergei Brasnikov is an award-winning fitness and wellness educator with a passion for movement and nourishing foods. Sergei enjoys helping individuals by using a holistic approach to well-being and fitness. He believes in wellness, which makes people function well, look well and feel well. He has a strong passion for providing others with a platform beyond fitness, which leads to a successful life. His work has been greatly recognised by organisations such as Les Mills and Organic Mechanic. When Sergei isn't busy educating people on the difference between bananas and processed junk, he can be found doing handstands in some obscure places. A warm welcome to the At Source podcast by Nature Bee. We welcome this afternoon Serge Brashnikov, uh, who is a award-winning fitness and wellness educator with a passion for movement and nourishing foods. A warm welcome to you, Serge. Thank you so much for having me today. It's so great to have you on the show because you bring a different perspective to, I guess, the the wider overview around health and fitness and, you know, what nourishes us both inside and out. And I'm I'm really interested to talk to you a little bit about that, Um, just bearing in mind that you do take a holistic approach and your commentary seems to cover off uh, quite a, a wide spectrum. Of, of thinking and I'm just going to drill into that a little bit today but it is so good to have you here. Um, just in terms of um, understanding your, I guess your epitome, the essence of what wellness and nutrition actually means for you, it would be great to just hear how you got started on this journey, um, I guess just a little a short breakdown of how you got to where you are today. Yeah right, it's really a big journey to be honest but yeah without going into too much detail I sort of hit rock bottom uh, in 2013, where I yeah nearly nearly got to a point where I uh, nearly got deported from a country for various reasons, drinking and uh, you know taking drugs and all sorts of stuff. But in um, in short, it was just a big turnaround for me, and and I had to realize that you know without uh, me taking responsibility and actually taking um, some actions in the positive direction nobody's going to save me so I wasn't always like this but yeah it was a a moment an epiphany for me to sort of um, realize a few things and also look into you know things that make you feel better rather than than worse so yeah I started researching and finding things out about nutrition uh, also meditation and uh, movement because I've always been into exercise since I was a kid uh, growing up in Russia playing sports and competitively and various various sports and and for me it was just to sort of tap into that again and and restart my um, I guess my passion for movement uh, it was it was probably the right um, right thing that happened to me at that time yeah mm, interesting yeah. I mean 
that's that's huge just the realness of that mm. and I think there's an assumption certainly from my part looking at you in the gym every day that you've always been this creature of habit mm. and this voice of wellness and reason and you know I really want to thank you for being so candid and honest about that because many of us you know they do say that you know change real change from within often happens when you need mm. at the most to have that change so it's incredible it's an incredible story actually of you actually of resilience of you actually building yourself sort of back up and for many of us we often get ourselves don't we into a place where we have to you know really rethink things to do a full genuine authentic sort of turnaround how long have you been in New Zealand for? So we we moved from Russia in 2004. Right. So my mom, dad and my brother. We lived in Napier for the whole time until I moved to Auckland in 2009 and to go to university. But essentially, yeah, we moved from Siberia. Uh, There's a city called Irkutsk. Uh, we have the deepest lake in the world. Um, it's quite a touristy place, but we decided to, you know, go for a better life and explore I guess and so our dad brought us here and I'm quite grateful for that yeah amazing having been to Russia myself I can imagine from a cultural perspective it must have been such a huge shift for you oh yes it's it's was pretty hard for two years coming here not knowing uh, anything about because when you when you're flying here you have this American dream and when you land here it's completely different from what you expect and, and we drove from Auckland Airport straight to Napier. So all you see is hills and sheep and hills. And then you're like, uh, where are we? But then, yeah, obviously we got to Napier and um, it was just adjusting to that to that culture and, and the language barrier as well, which took a while. But um, I got I got along with a lot of people and, and learned the, the language pretty fast. Did you learn the yeah. language in Russia? Was English taught in schools? It, it was, yeah, but still it, it wasn't enough to have the communication um yeah like proper conversation and slang and, and accent was completely different from what you learn in school mm, that's yeah, right yeah i mean napier is not a bad place to land but i no. mean my time in russia obviously big cities big buildings very different way of life so yeah big transition just in terms of just this this piece around holistic approach to well-being and fitness so obviously you're a self-taught individual. You've had to harness a lot of your knowledge out of necessity. How would you describe your own personal holistic approach to well-being? Well, my approach is, um, for me personally, because I've got a personality type which is powerful choleric, which is I'm all about doing, and um, and the world needs doers, right? But also the world needs uh, analytical people that that all about thinking but for me it's it's all about doing and exploring so that's how I learn and the moment when I hit rock bottom I realized that I need to look into things that give me energy back rather than take it away so stopping alcohol was a big thing for me and and eventually just saying like that's it I had enough because I, I can't have one drink I can't have two drinks I have to go all in because I'm the kind of person who doesn't go swimming up to the you know up to the knees I have to go full body in so um, yeah for me it was just experiment to stop drinking and seeing how my energy feels and and then from then on I realized that was a big part of my life that that dragged me down and one of the things actually that was uh, that put things into perspective is doing CADS, which is Community Alcohol and Drug Services. And 
for me was it wasn't at the time where I'm like I had an epiphany and this was amazing course to do and but maybe four months down the track I realized that it had a profound effect on me and I realized that I don't want to be that person anymore and yeah my energy skyrocketed um, and then I looked at nutrition side of things and I started playing around with my nutrition so it was yeah more of an experiment for me and I started reading researching and that's how I started with nutrition sounds like it was a journey there was no magic wand or moment of clarity that it was something you had to put one foot forward in front of the other get get the work done and then the revelation kind of followed right yeah yeah that's exactly right I get it so I mean obviously in this day and age there's a lot of complexity right in our in our society I think young people probably have more to deal with now than ever I think social media has obviously got a part to do with that but there's a lot of pressures and as you say drinking's become somewhat socialized Uh, if you say no to a drink um, you're almost a weirdo so what do you think the challenges are particularly for young people well, the challenges around drinking is just education, really. Because um, for some people, they can have one drink and it's completely fine. I think being open and upfront about that, what you're doing with people, because essentially you want to be communicating with people. So this is what I'm doing. Uh, this is what I'm doing it for. And, and eventually people will understand and the people that are around you will understand what you're doing it for. And I think, yeah, you can still have healthy relationship with alcohol you just need to understand that alcohol is not the problem it's it's something inside you that you look for an escape to um, grab something like an alcohol or drink or and then it turns into something massively so I think we need to just strip it back down and and really support people from what are the people struggling with and because people can abuse anything they can abuse food they can abuse exercise and that's just an escape for people so i think the challenge for people is realizing how to have healthy relationship with those things and for me personally i have to say no to alcohol but for some people they they can have that and yeah and and to be open to work with yourself and understand what throws you off and obviously have the education piece to people that this is what alcohol does because mm. we 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 see it all all the time right We've, we see the advertisements and we see this glamour um like especially with, with we, when i was in russia we see the the vodka advertisements with heaps of glamour like suits and perfect environment but in, in reality it's completely the opposite you you see this mess and but for me was personally just understanding the education piece and realizing that that was missing from my my side of things even the experience um probably is valid because some people experience it and understand that this is bad which was helpful for me to experience it and to understand because this is my journey and i think yeah that's just the experience and education i guess and someone might relate to just education piece and and click with it but for me it was just both experience and education I think too I've had a little bit to do with CADS for a family member who struggled with alcohol Mm. and from what they've shared with me alcohol is particularly difficult to kick more so than other addictions Um, it's, it's a subtle but very strong influence it's a tough one to kick so obviously you've been on a massive journey and I have to say I mean, I don't want it to sound trite, but well done to you because I'm firsthand 
with this and not everybody can do the journey. So in terms of building your brand, Power Surge Wellness, I'm really interested to hear what you're doing in that space. Yeah, right. So uh, the the name itself came from high school, actually, from Teradel High School in Napier. People started calling me Power Surge and it kind of stick, stuck with me since then. And someone uh, in Auckland then brought it back up and they're like, oh, Power Surge. And so I thought about the name. And, um, and since I started eating plant-based back in 2013, mm-hmm. Uh, the logo itself kind of represents the, the, the lightning strike and the little plant leaf. So it represents the, the plant-based nutrition. Yeah, and sort of the wellness part is because I didn't want to just be represented uh, around movement. I wanted to have a holistic approach to things because we know that sleep is king and nutrition is queen. And, and so is the movement that fits into that equation as well. So I think having a holistic approach to things um, could could provide you with a overall health and 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 well-being. Yeah, interesting. So, let's touch on the plant-based piece. Uh, I'm just interested in your perspective here. I was at the supermarket yesterday, and a lady was frying up a plant-based patty or two, different flavors. I mean, look, it's not about me, this podcast, it's about you, but let me just share that I'm the biggest carnivore on the planet. So as I was passing by the fried thing, I thought it's not quite good. She lured me in, I tried it, it tasted quite good. Of course, my first question was, what's the carb count? Because a lot of the plant-based alternatives and those who are listening and interested in nutrition will go, yeah, but they're so high in carbs. So there does seem to be some some work in that space, and these particular patties were only two grams a serve, which really isn't too bad. But there doesn't seem to be quite the thinking and the balance around the nutritional aspects, the carbs, everything's laced with beetroot, it's full of sugar. So for those of us that are actually quite carb conscious, what what are your thoughts around how to maintain a you know a low sugar plant based diet? Yeah, right. And yeah, to bring it back up into those um meat alternatives, we kind of see the the prominence and the the now the drive into that meat alternative world and for some people that works but I, I think we need to just strip it back to the simplicity and if you look into whether it be carnivore or keto or plant-based I think people just need to keep it simple and any processed food is processed so we know that plant-based patties can benefit some people switching to to the plant-based eating but for me personally it's it's realizing what goes in, into the actual product so keeping it simple and using whole foods rather than just processed processed products um, can help people to not over consume those hidden sugars and glucose and fructose and all of those um, ingredients and I think even if you look into the plant-based diet you can still have a a low carb approach you just need to see what has lower carb like for example greens and um, tempeh and avocados and nuts and seeds so you can still have a relatively low carb approach to it um, and seeing what works for you but yeah I I don't see the benefit in eating those processed patties too much because again they're filled with um, canola oil and and heaps of oil so it's it's not um a huge part of my diet um sometimes you want to try it and see what it's like but it's it's not something that i will look and look into i guess it's more you know playing into that meal convenience space too isn't it because to take the time to prepare whole based foods obviously you need to be well organized and, and ahead of it and you know many of us struggle with time 
in in this modern world. I also think it's really noisy and consumers are very confused. I mean, there's so many different ways to eat and to live now. Uh, How does a conscious consumer make the right choice? Yeah, and again, this is um, going back to marketing, right? So it's all about marketing. So we look back into Leonardo da Vinci's quote, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So people complicate things too much. We have far too many ingredients. We have so many additives and colorings. And if, if we go back to what our ancestors used to eat, it used to be something very simple, right? If you stumble upon... Uh, an animal or or fruit tree it's 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 in a whole form and it's very simple right so i think when people are choosing something they need to understand that the simplicity is where people need to look and also uh, whether you're eating plant-based or carnivore it's it's whole foods right we all have something similar because we're eating whole foods and it's not processed so i think when people do look into clean eating they need to just um simplify it and understand that you need to have four macronutrients water carbohydrates fats and protein we need those to be healthy and and if you keep it simple keep it unprocessed and and try and maintain healthy relationship with calories and not under eight then you should be fine but yeah it's 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 a huge social media is obviously another one people are confused people are looking here this is what's true and they well, there's keto yeah. there's yeah. gnome yeah. Yeah. there's yeah. a lot of things popping up right yeah. that look seductive they look like yeah. they're kind of quick core mm. you know even possibly long lasting results mm. um, so I imagine that it would be difficult to kind of make what what could be the right choice but maybe there isn't yeah. a right choice mm. maybe there are different pathways there are different ways to achieve a singular outcome yeah and for some people they might agree with a vegan diet some people won't um, and I think yeah, going back to people that they eat for different purposes. So, for example, vegans can have an environmental reason or they might have an ethical reason. So, And people can just tap into that process eating as well. I think it's it's really important to not also be a, a victim of that. Like, yeah, you're for the animals, but also not put your health down and eat the right foods and not miss out on any essential nutrients and that's really important for me as well because i went into plant-based eating for health reasons not for the ethical or environmental so for me it was like okay i need to have the best relationship with food and keep it keep it simple and for me it it worked tremendously and i think yeah i have heard that uh, a plant-based diet facilitates recovery like you almost recover twice as fast it can be, yeah, yeah. If you have the enough calories and and keep it keep it simple, yeah, you you can recover pretty quick. And I think when, especially because I play sports and train two hours a day, uh, I, I notice that recovery is a lot quicker for me personally. I think there's not much strength component difference in terms of eating, but for recovery is is much quicker for me. Two hours a day, so that's a lot. So what what do you do? I do a balanced uh, session, so I have mobility and also strength so I, I would stretch and mobilize for an hour and then I would go into a strength session wow yeah. okay yeah. we're talking yeah. to a non-stretcher who hardly mobilizes so I am so impressed we should talk after this podcast yeah. um, that's just incredible um, real discipline too to actually slow down and do the stuff that's not so gratifying yeah. as perhaps all the, the sort of the macro movements. Just in terms of going back to some of the things that you talk about, you talk about, you often use this word platform, which I find really interesting, that you 
talk about a platform that's beyond fitness, which leads to a successful life. I'm curious about what that platform is and how do you sort of build or develop this to, I guess, have a successful life? Like, how do you define a successful life? A successful life for me is being happy and living your purpose. So when I was lost and I didn't know what to do, I used these tools like nutrition, like sleep, like meditation to tap into myself and then have the energy to be able to go out in the real world and experience things. Because if you look into uh, New Zealand population, a lot of the kids are, are suffering from depression, anxiety, and I was in a similar, a similar case. And for me, it was really hard to just even go out somewhere because I didn't want to see people. And being able to turn that around and understand, you know, the word depression, you need to have a deep rest from, you know, bad things, alcohol, stimulation, drugs, bad people, bad nutrition, whatever that might be. And you need to have a deep rest from those and then turn around and, and have the recovery and go um, in the real world when you have the energy. So I think being able to have the energy and then go out in the real world and then if you experience something that makes you that light bulb moment and you just go wow this makes me feel good and I didn't know that I'm going to be working at Les Mills um, that wasn't in my plans my plan was to you know I went to study business for me it was like you know something that I was just lost and I didn't know what to study so and and I'm sitting here and I'm managing at Les Mills, managing a, a personal training team of 60 personal trainers, like that wasn't in my, even in my thoughts. And here I am, I'm experiencing this. And that's because I managed to pull myself out of that, that gutter and have the energy and experience things. Because when I started Les Mills, I just wanted to do things right at the present moment. And those things that were in front of me then led me to the next stage. So even though some person might have taken for granted what I was doing like a real simple job I was just putting a lot of energy into it and just making it as like count is, yeah like count yeah because a lot of people look into the future and they say that's what I'm going to do but realizing that there's a process to it right so that's what happens with millennials these days they want instant gratification they want things now I'm not making any impact you know Simon Sinek says the same thing the, the, the difference between people nowadays as people just want instant results I guess and so there's a process so it took me about um, seven and a half years to get to where I am today in in terms of my position and and there was a massive process and there was turns arounds and u-turns and 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 it all happened and I'm in the right place right now because of those experiences and me going going around with lots of energy and tapping into my own potential so the platform is really like even if you don't agree with fitness or um, you're not big into it, is understanding that when you put energy into something, you're going to get it back. So if, as an example, I tell this to um, some of my clients, if you're going to rely on stimulants, you're going to have to pay with the interest. It's just like buying or borrowing money from the bank. So you're going to have ret return it with interest. So if you're relying on stimulation, if you're undersleeping, you have to return the interest. So instead of doing that, you sleep more it's as simple as that and so you get more back as a result so because you recover and you might put a little bit of energy into the exercise but you get fitter so you get the interest back so yeah. the platform is really simple it's just understanding that 
you have more energy during the day because of exercise or sleep and then you're able to do more because what we're hearing is like hustle that's what we need to do but people are actually just churning on one spot and not going anywhere because they're just not making it making sense they're just stimulated and they're tired they're not thinking clearly but the tools are out there for us Um, and i use movement nutrition sleep as tools in that platform to just then being able to flourish when you when you're out there in the real world right it makes a lot of sense and i think sleep's a massive topic right it's probably a whole separate topic but you're right you know you do you do sort of mention here that uh, you know six hours or less uh, is not going to cut the cheese for, for somebody to be productive during the day and there are many people living on less than six hours sleep. Shift workers, you know, that's a whole category for people and I, there was times, you know, in radio where I was working crazy hours and not getting enough sleep. So I know exactly, you'd come out feeling completely jet-lagged, very hard to put energy into the day when you're sort of working upside-down hours. But I, I do get a sense of what you mean now about this platform but it, it has a feeling about it where it's three-dimensional. So... There's lots of facets that come together to kind of build, if you like, that success piece or model that you're talking about. And I very much understand what you're sharing when you talk about this journey, this instant result uh, concept that millennials have versus sort of earning your stripes. And actually, you used a, a, a word where you said you just did the day-to-day stuff with energy or purpose, and you and we, we both agreed it was making it count. So it wasn't looking for a pat on the back or a reward or you were totally invested in each step of the way to be able to get to where you are today. I'm curious because you said you're managing a team of 60 personal trainers. Now, my picture is that they'd all be highly disciplined individuals that have really got their act together because they're mentors and they're, you know, working with people that need help or need support in various dimensions so do you feel sort of a fulfilled and that you in your work and that you are working with enlightened people or do you feel that you know even your team need a backbone of support that you know you have to draw from within to provide to them yes uh, it's a good good question actually and to answer this is actually you yeah most of the people do need support in in that in that position only because we give so much energy to other people as well and fitness professionals they they train themselves and they train others so it's 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 a um, energy consuming job so they do need a lot of support and I think having the the person who is leading from the front and showing by example and giving the the advice that they need at the time um, can make a big impact um, this was the case for me because when I was just starting at Liz Mills, nobody gave me feedback, real feedback, but only one person, he's, he's actually an instructor at Liz Mills, um, Antoine, he came up to me and he said, hey, you're doing a good job, keep doing it and you'll get somewhere in life. And he, this just stuck in my head since day one and that made a big difference for me because no one else gave me that feedback. And, and realizing that feedback just so right at that moment because it might be a small for him or someone else but for me it was huge and well timed and well timed yeah and it was it, it didn't cost him anything he just said hey you're doing a good job just mm. keep doing it and you often find that with you know students in schools having been an ex-teacher 
often you can be, you know, I know I've had students say to me, you said something to me at the right time, and it's just made the world of difference. So I think you're right. It, and it isn't a lot, is it, for someone to come up and say something if they've seen something in you to be able to unleash or tap into that potential. It's, it's a powerful thing. And I think, you know, as Kiwis, um, you've sort of stepped into a culture where there's not a lot of that. There's sort of a tall poppy syndrome, I think, and there's not a lot of, not a ton of mentoring out there. I think you have to work really hard to find the right mentors and know why you, you know, want to be mentored. Yep, I, I do hear what you're saying. Just in terms of um, going back to the whole body image, it's really interesting. I'm not sure if you were following the news, but there's been sort of a, a presentation of athletes that have come out and talked about eating, body image and performance. I'm just thinking most recently about Joe Ale and sailing. Um, and she was talking about being so light, she basically became malnutritioned. Um, she had a lot of health issues as a result of staying so light. Interesting, you know, to read that nobody ever challenged her choice to stay that light. She had coaches and she was a high performance sailor at the time. Uh, she's sort of now four kilos heavier and just seems to be, she's now teaching and talking about body image and food and high performance. There does seem to be a gap there, you know, and certainly it trickles right down to the everyday lay person. Just this understanding, this relationship with food and social media and, and body image, it comes down to what is wellness? Yeah, and this was uh, brought up maybe a couple of weeks ago when we had the workshop, Wim Hof workshop at Auckland City. And the, the workshop was taken by Nigel Beach. Um, he works with All Blacks, Crusaders and Australian rugby team as well. And so he was bringing up this example that Men's Health magazine or whatever, we see the, the body type is specific and targeting um, people with six packs and unrealistic sometimes unrealistic for normal people um, body physiques and I think realizing that everyone is different and when we have the social media everyone wants to be on a pedestal or popular so there's extremes so people have to go to extremes nowadays to be able to stand out um, whereas before there was not many people on on these platforms so having six packs and um you know, tensing and all of this stuff actually negatively impacts um, a lot of people. And this is just comes from the experience that Nigel Beach was also bringing up. And for example, six pack. So when people tense up, they're not breathing correctly, right? So they have hernia, they have acid reflux because they're not breathing correctly and they're constantly tensing for the photos or walking around because this is what's, this is what's normal, right? So people breathing through their chest, so they become chronic chronically breathing incorrectly and and causes a lot of health issues for them long term chronically so there is yeah misconception around what's healthy and what's not healthy and i think without going into detail i think a lot of people want to look good right and they want to be valued and loved and so when people come um to me for example we we don't even talk about the scales you know, that comes as a, as a result of the process, just like me talking about me doing the right things at the right time. The process is the key. So instead of focusing on the goal, just focus on the process, do your work, have the systems in place, and then those things will come as a result. And then, yeah, most of the time people in in the fitness industry think they need to undereat. Um, 
and this is a huge part for especially for females um and to be able to look good and so under eating is a huge problem which causes massive metabolic issues and and instead of realizing that you need to have a healthy relationship with food it is almost like we need to go through extremes again so yeah it's the wellness part this is what why it's huge for me is to teach people to have a healthy relationship with whatever that might be nutrition or exercise or sleep and then as a result you'll start to look good you start to look better because then you're looking after yourself it's a and, byproduct yeah, it's the a result byproduct. is the byproduct of actually doing the right work for sure so uh, i'm just curious in your everyday life are you exchanging these conversations regularly whether whether they are to do with food or whether they're to do with alcohol or are you seeing a good number of people that that are having these issues yep um, I've had numerous conversations with people um, so it's it's real and because I've I can relate to that and I can just talk to them in experience and tell them that this is what you can do to because the, the solution is there people can get themselves out of that position because um, there's different tools right and being able to just talk to people and understand and relate to them be empathetic and then gently guide them in the right direction and without any sort of criticism because that's their experience right um but being able to let people know that you can get out of that place and support them when when they need to and and you know those people that i've spoken to they're still here and i'm happy to have those conversations because the vulnerable conversations lead to either them taking the advice but at least you've taken that chance to talk to them and openly have that conversation without judgment they can either take that advice on board and it's up to them but it's possible to get out of that place mm. so i'm really happy to talk to anyone about those things and and how you can get yourself out of the gutter because i've been there and not a single person was there for me when i was trying to figure it out and nobody was talking to me even in a society where um, we talk about we need to speak up and 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 talk to people we we rarely do right and so instead of talking about it we need to take action so we need to tell people this is available for us to tap into and and be better that's right you can you can uh, give people some really good advice and and not everybody will take that good advice I mean mental health and mental clarity are two massive topics aren't they and you're right we do live in this society where we are encouraged to speak up more so now than ever about depression and anxiety and so forth but I guess what you've what you've shared with us is that these are very sort of real issues in terms of that mindfulness consideration I guess how do you personally practice mindfulness such a big topic yeah yeah it's a massive topic so Back in 2014, I read a book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And he had a panic attack in front of 5 million people on television. And he was, uh, you can actually look it up on YouTube and you can see he's having a panic attack. And he went through this journey. Um, he did Vipassana and 10-day meditations. He did all sorts of meditation practices and he just wrote a book about it. And that kind of got me interested in meditation. And I started thinking about, well what is meditation anyway so it's just sitting down and being able to you know close your eyes and and for me it was really weird because i i never experiencing anything like this i just did it intuitively anyway so it just because i'm i'm a introvert so for me it's easy to just you know tap out, to tap out yeah <laughs> so 
yeah, I tried to experience with different uh, meditation practices. And uh, in 2015, I've managed to work split shifts. So I would open the gym at 5.15 in the morning. I would finish at 9. And then I would have a massive break. And then I will start again at 5 p.m. And during that time, I would practice my one-hour meditation. So without hesitation, I just sat down in the park and I meditated. Not specifically guided, but just being able to sit with my own thoughts and, and just... Um, put earplugs in my ear and just and just focus on breathing and after some time some period of time I managed to experience that it was almost like I explained to people it's almost like having a cheat code in the game um, you start to surprise yourself with decisions that you make you start to talk to people differently you start to make you know decisions that you've never thought you could you could make and th- that was going back to just sitting still and being in a present moment because we really stop our brain right and it's really impossible to stop it because there's always that chatter there's always something that comes into the mind but being able to sit with it and just observe whatever comes and just like a photo album just put the slide away and then something else comes in and you just observe it right so you become present of what's happening right now and tapping into your breathing like even now if we just start to breathe through the nose we start to actually be present and it's just as simple as that so people can meditate for five seconds they can meditate for 30 minutes they can meditate and it's all just going back to the breathing and being present um which makes it maybe a little bit more accessible or possible because I think many of us are daunted about taking a huge chunk of time out of the day or we're busy in the morning getting kids ready for school or just not a possibility to be able to step aside. Yeah, yeah. And it's, again, people would say to me, but Serge, you don't have kids and you don't have responsibilities. Um, so one of my clients, he's um, he's quite high up in Fonterra and he's got three kids and he travels around the country drives around to to manage stores and he's he told me he started meditating 10 minutes a day that's all he's doing and he's already found benefits in just doing the guided meditation because he's not um he cannot just sit still without um guided meditation and so he's finding some benefits in that and just doing 10 minutes can can have a big difference Mm, yeah it's really good it's sort of that bite-sized um approach isn't it which is better than nothing yes so we've talked a lot about food and good nutrition and we've talked about it being a noisy space and there's a lot in there for people to you know a lot of decision making to go on so if we were to kind of break it down what are some of the top foods that people should be incorporating into their daily diet I wouldn't have top foods. I would say, again, going back to just keep it simple and keep it diverse because we understand that if we look at the example for exercise, for example. So we have what I call isolation, integration, improvisation. So kids really do really well with integration and improvisation. Then we get to the adulthood and we start to isolate so we do the exercise like bicep curls. So same thing with the nutrition side of things. Instead of focusing on one particular macronutrient or one particular just the protein side of things, we just think of diversity, right? And that's what nature thrives off. Diversity is key. And being able to tap into colors, different colors. We're attracted to colors naturally. So um, being able to eat a variety of different foods, seasonal stuff, and 
because there's different nutrients in every food and whether it's coming from seeds, nuts or something else, um, you're able to get something in terms of the nutrients because that's what we what we're after. But do you think clean eating's gone too far? I'm sorry to interrupt here, yeah. but I'm thinking of a few people that I know where it's become a kind of disorder. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying about different plants and seasons, but you can get so embroiled in all of this, right, that it almost becomes, to me, it looks like a little crazy, like a, um, too clean, too, too malicious about the things that we eat. Is there such a place to be, do you think? Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm not perfect either. Um, do I you don't have cheat have days? A, yeah, I have cheat days. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm not perfect in that. And But realizing that you have the opportunity to either grab something really good and if you have the capacity where you can have something planned throughout the week and whether it, it's, uh, I don't know, some sort of a box that, that provides the healthy meal plans or if you're able to plan for at least three days of the week um, and, and cook something up real simple for yourself and have that accessible because, again, the accessibility and the um, convenience is what people are after these days and and being able to, you know, have something at hand. So, yeah, you can have unhealthy relationship even if you're just going too crazy extreme with just clean eating all the time, right? And the eating part is also social and um, if the client says to me, I have to go out for dinner with my client and have two glasses of wine, I can't change that. It's It's their lifestyle. But understanding that the next meal that you're going to have is the as healthy as it can be, whatever that means to you, and be able to eat real food because yeah. we know what real food is. It's not packaged or um, processed. So what I'm hearing from you is it's a little bit like that 80-20 rule. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, we've, had, we've come through a, a, a big year with last year and all the upheavals with COVID, and we think it's over. We don't know if it's over. We're all sort of a bit prepared if we were to go back into lockdown, what life would be like. So it's been strange and sticking to a routine, I think, has been quite tough for many of us. Um, I mean, I personally love my gym sessions in the morning and when that all stopped um, and I tried to book a bike and a treadmill, I couldn't believe the pressure on rental equipment. So, you know, the landscape's changed and, and many of us are sort of thinking, you know, what if do we need to invest in a set of weights for our home gym? Um, but how has it impacted you? I mean, personally, you've obviously been centred in the gym, but how have you noticed that, you know, it's impacted on, on people, on everyday people who might want to come to the gym and stay active? How can they manage all of that and stay active at home? That's a good way to put it because it's almost like um, I, I go back to talking about motivation, right? So motivation is not actually what we need. We need the right environment. So when you go into Les Mills or whether you go to another gym, it's the, the, the environment, the people um, and people exercising around you. So when you're at home, there's nothing that is similar to that. So I think in terms of exercising, whether we go into another lockdown or similar situation, I think having something real simple at hand, we understand that there's now technology at hand we can type in on YouTube follow a long session and whether it's going to be a cardio session or a mobility session we can have a 30 minute mobility guided instructed mm. sort of routine and that's what actually helped a lot of my clients um, I just sent them my follow along sessions that I filmed 
um, mobility or exercises and they're able to just watch and follow on TV without thinking. Whether it's a Zoom call, not everyone likes Zoom calls. <laughs> I personally don't like them, but it it gives people the, I guess, some sort of movement and also being able to understand that you can use your own body. And, and structure, yeah. right? You're yeah. providing people yeah. with a solution, which I suppose all these apps, these fitness apps and so forth do as well with the Les Mills fitness apps. You can plug into those. I mean, it's great to see it on television now, right? Sure. Some of these meals, 10 a.m. sessions and so forth. So it, it seems like fitness in itself has become quite disruptive and there are sort of ways that you can sort of tap in. You don't have to physically be in the building. As you say, that virtual world has sort of expanded. I think it's expanded on so many dimensions. I mean, it's impacted business enormously. People that might have travelled one day, even regionally, to go to Palmerston North um, for business, they're not doing that anymore. They're holding Zoom calls. So uh, I guess it's, you know, not surprising that it's impacted the fitness world as well. I guess for anybody, just to close, who might be feeling like they're sort of out of touch with, you know, health and wellness... Or they feel like they could be doing a better job and they need a bit of a health boost. What What are the first steps that you'd recommend around how they should start or tap back in? Start something that is going to be, um, again, we talk about necessity and also talk about convenience. So start something that you can fit into your schedule, plan it, and also find a gym that you can have close by to your home or also workplace. Um, and if you can go into the office and be able to go through that you know if you go between work and home and stop around you know for 30 minute or one minute session oh sorry a one hour session um and start small because we know that creating a habit takes time so don't beat yourself up about it if you can't do everything at the start but having that habit installed and be one percent better every day right because it's it has a compounding effect over time um, so adding something to your schedule whether it will be meditation or choose something that is going to fit into your schedule to, that's going to make you feel feel better so for example today this morning I woke up and I said to myself I'm not going to go to the gym I'm just going to sleep in and I'm going to do some breath work in the morning and that was as simple as starting the the week right because I'm not out of the bed straight away not sure what's going on and I'm rushing into the gym so sometimes slow start is really good mm. and sometimes um, the gym that's going to stimulate you is going to be really good so for different people it's different but yeah scheduling in um, planning and also finding convenience where you can tap into something um, at your hand yeah like a gym or app or something and do you think yep. that doing the things that you love, like I've heard a saying that says happiness is a great driver, so do the things that you love to do? Oh, totally. I agree with that. And the, something that creates joy and inside you is, is always the key, the key thing to happiness. Thanks, Serge. It's been great to chat with you. Uh, and just, I guess, hear your own personal holistic approach around well-being and fitness. And um, I do wish you all the best as you continue your journey because I think your story is really powerful and it's definitely changing the lives of, of the people around you and you're making a difference. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation and stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. 
That Source podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.